Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on a United States Capitol will be in order. When the House Select Committee began its hearings last month, More than 500 days after the storming of the US Capitol, no one quite knew what to expect, or even how many Americans would bother to tune in. After all, congressional hearings are not exactly known for their entertainment value. The committee members knew that better than anyone. This will be a multimedia presentation with video, with documentary uh, kind of feel to it. This will be the most highly produced congressional hearing in history. What followed was a slick, limited series drama where the story of what has been described as an attempted coup was told over eight gripping episodes. This summer's most compelling drama the January 6th committee hearings. Episode one was a huge hit because at least 20 million people watched Thursday's hearing. 20 million people. That's the kind of audience usually reserved for Sunday night football. But beyond the impressive ratings, did it have a real impact? And would it bring any consequences for its main target, Donald Trump, as he eyes a second presidential run. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from the Times and the Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, made for streaming, the January 6th hearings. fair to say that initial expectations for the hearings were pretty low. Congressional hearings like this are generally dry, turgid affairs, uh, usually hamstrung by political grandstanding. Hugh Tomlinson, Washington reporter for The Times, has been tuning into every single congressional hearing. When the first batch of hearings came to an end last Thursday, Hugh was finally able to take a holiday, which is why you can hear the idyllic chirping of birds behind him. He spoke to us from a cabin in Maine. From the first hearing last month, which aired on primetime evening television across almost every major network, it was clear that the January 6th hearings were going to be very different. It's been extraordinary. Now, can you just remind us before we go any further, why are these hearings happening? The committee was set up after the January 6th riot last year. 
thousand storming the Capitol after a rally with President Trump, during which he urged them to march on the Capitol, where a joint session of Congress was debating and working to certify the election as our democracy dictates. They forced their way into the building. Outnumbering the officers inside, they seized this sacred space, leading to unimaginable scenes and violence. So many questions tonight. How was this allowed to happen? Where was the security? with the president encouraging these protests for weeks now. So Congress moved to launch its own investigation into the attack to try and solve some of the unanswered questions about Trump's role. Was the attack pre-planned? And how did the riot fit into the wider strategy, the wider campaign to overturn the election result? This has run in parallel with a Department of Justice investigation, which has seen hundreds of Trump supporters indicted and charged for their involvement in the riot. Right. So essentially, it's about what led up to that riot on the Capitol. And it's about what Trump and people did while it was taking place, essentially. Yes, that's right. The nominal task of the committee is to recommend changes, potential changes to the law in light of the threat to American democracy that we saw last year. As Trump's involvement has become clearer in the wider campaign to overturn the results, the hearings have focused in on the former president himself. These are congressional hearings, as we know, but I gather they're a bit unusual as far as congressional hearings go. In other words, you described at the beginning how such hearings are often very dry, but something different has happened this time. Yes, that's right. From the outset, from the first hearing, these hearings have been packaged as entertainment, essentially. Designed from the start to grab and then hold the attention of the American public. The first and last hearings aired on primetime television at 8pm. A former president of ABC News and an award-winning documentary maker was brought on board to structure the production of each hearing and the overarching narrative of the series. And that's what it's become, essentially made for streaming TV. All eight episodes have been packaged as this sort of slick, tightly scripted, they've been choreographed, movie-length episodes, basically. Each hearing has ended with a major revelation and a teaser for the episode to come. Sound bites have been intersposed. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, and let me echo uh, those words. And the first hearing really set the tone here. I mean, the committee knew it had one chance, essentially, to grab America's attention or the nation would just switch off. As you will see in the hearings to come, President Trump believed his supporters at the Capitol, and I quote, were doing what they should be doing. You will hear that President Trump was yelling and, quote, really angry at advisors who told him he needed to be doing something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. So on that first night, we got a string of bombshell revelations, never before seen security footage, live witness testimony from the riot itself. And then over that, interwoven with that, we got thumbnails of the evidence that we would see in future hearings, setting out the committee's case step by step without getting bogged down in the weeds. And then overlaying live testimony and video testimony with multimedia, tweets, text messages, videos, even police radio traffic from the day of the riot itself. This is now effectively a riot. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. Now, 
going along with this TV concept, and I know people will probably criticise us for trivialising it, but it's quite obvious that it was quite important to them to try and make it, at the very least, something that people would remember. Tell us about the main characters. So there are nine members of the committee, seven Democrats, two Republicans, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And Cheney, in particular, who was appointed vice chair of the committee, has been the star of the proceedings. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. And let me echo uh, those words about the importance of, of bipartisanship. And She's the daughter of the former vice president, Dick Cheney. She was a rising star in the Republican leadership before joining the committee. And she's a true conservative's conservative. She's a Republican through and through. And yet she has been dogged throughout. Those who invaded our Capitol and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them, that the election was stolen and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Now, you mentioned that there were seven Democrats and two Republicans. Why only two? The Republican presence on the committee really comes down to a huge strategic error by Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader. McCarthy had a deal with Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic House Speaker, that he could appoint five members to the panel. When he revealed his nominees, they included pro-Trump Republicans, including some who'd voted to overturn state election results at the 2020 election. And they were clearly intended to undermine, torpedo the committee's work and findings. Pelosi rejected two of those five picks. And when she did, McCarthy basically threw a hissy fit and pulled out all five nominees. Pelosi then moved to bring in Cheney and Kinzinger, who were the only two Republicans who voted in favour of setting up the committee at all. Pelosi has clearly decided that those two Republicans should be front and centre at the hearings. Cheney in particular has had a huge role at every hearing. Kinzinger has, has stepped in at times, particularly in the last hearing. And they are both never-Trump Republicans, vocal opponents of the former president. They've both been exiled from their party for their work with the committee, and it could cost them both their political careers. OK, now let's turn to the drama itself and its, and its episodes. We talked about episode one, the pilot episode, and the film from The Storming of the Capitol, which I certainly remember seeing. But there was also quite a lot of personal testimony on film there, wasn't there? Exactly. I mean, in the first hearing, the panel really went straight for the jugular. Donald Trump lost the presidential election in 2020. It was not because of voter fraud. The very first witness testimony we saw was from Trump's own former attorney general, Bill Barr, a staunch loyalist, a former staunch loyalist rather, and the most senior official in the Trump White House to testify. Don't believe me? Hear what his former attorney general had to say about it. I had three discussions with the president that I can recall. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. I didn't want to be a part of it, and that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. You can't live in a world where, where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election, that there was fraud in the election. The second witness we saw was Trump's daughter, Ivanka. Many of President Trump's White House staff also recognized that the evidence did not support the claims President Trump was making. This is the president's daughter commenting on Bill Barr's statement that the department found no fraud sufficient to overturn the election. How did that affect your perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement? 
it affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, so I accepted what he said, was saying. In the second half, we moved into extraordinary harrowing footage of the violence, overlaid with police, desperate police radio traffic as officers were forced back, and then heard live testimony from Caroline Edwards. Um, well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you to the committee for having me here to testify. So, um, Capitol Police officer who was knocked unconscious on I the steps of the Capitol as riots the forced their way through barricades. I am the proud granddaughter of a Marine. I think of my papa often in these days. I would like to think that he would be proud of me. Proud of his granddaughter that stood her ground that day and continued fighting, even though she was wounded. I'm a proud American, and I will gladly sacrifice everything to make sure that the America my grandfather defended is here for many years to come. And the strong stuff. So the association in, the, in, in this first episode is Trump was told that it was bullshit that he had lost the election. Ivanka said she believed that as well. And then you had the consequences of him not believing it, which was the riot itself and what happened to police officers during it. Yeah, exactly. We saw Trump staffers from the campaign, White House lawyers, all saying that they had told Trump they could find no evidence of election fraud, that he had lost, and he simply refused to refused to believe it. Right. Okay, so we've had that big episode one, and, and even I clocked that one from over here. Uh, what was the next big episode? Well, each of the subsequent hearings brought their own bombshells, but without a doubt, the most astonishing of the lot was the sixth which was a surprise announcement revealed only a couple of days in advance with a mystery witness. Thanks to the courage of certain individuals, the truth won't be buried. The American people won't be left in the dark. And the mystery witness turned out to be Cassidy Hutchinson, the assistant to Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. And her testimony took us inside the White House in the build-up to January 6th and on the day of the riot itself. Our witness today, Ms. Cassidy Hutchinson, has embodied that courage. I'll allow her words to speak for themselves, and I hope everyone at home will listen very closely. That hearing opened with photos of her alongside Trump, alongside Meadows, on Air Force One, just to make it clear that she was in the room daily with the president, and her evidence was the most devastating yet for Trump. There were a string of jaw-dropping claims I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing bags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. Trump wanted the metal detectors removed. Trump was then so determined to join the rioters at the Capitol, he tried to grab the wheel of his presidential limousine, demanding, I'm the fucking president. I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. When the Secret Service refused, said it wasn't safe, Trump allegedly lunged at the throat of his lead security agent. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle and 
Mr. When Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. And then Hutchinson posted this insane picture from inside the White House as the violence unfolded and Trump refused to act for more than three hours. White House aides, including Pat Cipollone, the chief White House counsel, begged him to intervene. Uh, Meadows, <laughs> there was a very unflattering picture of Meadows sitting on his sofa, doom scrolling on his phone as people were being beaten on the steps of the Capitol. I remember Pat saying to him something to the effect of, the rioters have gotten to the Capitol, Mark. We need to go down and see the president now. And Mark looked up at him and said, he doesn't want to do anything, Pat. And Pat said something to the effect of, and very clearly had said this to Mark, something to the effect of, Mark, something needs to be done or people are going to die and the blood's going to be on your effing hands. This is getting out of control. I'm going down there. And then... Perhaps most extraordinary of all, when the Hang Mike Pence chants were heard on television within the White House, Meadows was heard telling Cipollone, you heard him, Pat. You heard him, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. It was it was stunning stuff and a game changer for the, for the committee and the hearings. So absolutely amazing. How much of the testimony she gave was first-hand and how much second-hand and did that make much of a difference to its impact? Most of it was first-hand. The only stuff that was reported from colleagues was the incident inside the limousine. There have been efforts to uh, to challenge that. There were claims that Secret Service agents were willing to come forward and say that didn't happen. None have come forward to testify. And in fact, this is a side issue, but the Secret Service is now under investigation after agents deleted text messages from January the 5th and 6th. And that is another thread of the investigation that's going to be ongoing. And the final hearing, I mean, we saw the apex of what the committee has been building towards, a final breakdown of the hours during the riot. We heard that Mike Pence's security detail inside the Capitol was so afraid they were going to be killed they were calling their families to say goodbye. We saw the impact that Trump's tweet soon after 2, 2 p.m. condemning his vice president for refusing to block certification of the votes in Congress. We saw that being read out by rioters on the steps of the Capitol, which inflamed the violence. And then we saw security camera footage of Pence being hustled away with rioters just 40 feet away, some of them intent on killing him. And then only at 4.17 p.m., did Trump agree to record a video message finally calling on the rioters to go home? Even then, we saw that he went off script, launching into another tirade about the stolen election and telling his supporters, we love you. It was staggering. Now, of course, Trump then makes a speech the next day, doesn't he? Yes. So the following day, he was reluctantly ushered in front of the cameras again, finally speaking out to condemn the violence. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. Even then, I mean, we saw, we saw the committee have obtained this extraordinary string of outtakes of the recording. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law, can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defied the seat of dust. It's defiled, right? See, I can't see it very well. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to do this. Let's go. 
It reportedly took over an hour to record three minutes of footage. And we saw Trump stumbling over his words and pointedly refusing to say that the election was over. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? But Congress is certified. Now Congress is Yeah, right. Now Congress is I didn't say over, so let, let me see. Don't go to the paragraph before. In fact, of course, Trump to this day has still never conceded the election. Coming up, what will be the consequences of these hearings and have they shifted the political dial already? That's in just a moment. I'm Louise Callahan, a foreign correspondent for The Sunday Times. I work from the front line of international politics and war, bringing you stories from Ukraine to Syria and Yemen. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so all this has happened, and we've had episodes one, we've had episode six, we've had episode eight, and presumably stuff building up in the other episodes as well. We all know from streamed series that some episodes have more of a bang than others. Now, what about the audience? Around 20 million people watched the first primetime hearing live, which is good, very good for a congressional committee hearing and 18 million around 18 million watched the last of the series so at the very least the committee has has largely retained its audience there were there were parties streaming parties in parks the first hearing you're kidding yeah yeah i mean in washington you could go and watch it in a park on the jumbotron with free ben and jerry's ice cream but of course the test was sort of retaining that audience throughout there was of course a drop-off because the rest of the hearings have been screened in the middle of the day so there was a drop-off there but those hearings have racked up millions of views on youtube and again particularly the sixth featuring cassidy hutchinson 
And then, of course, perhaps the biggest measure of the hearing success is that the committee is coming back for a second series in September. Uh, <laughs> new evidence of witnesses have come to light. I'll come on to, uh, to that a little bit more in, in a moment. One of the things that we think we know about the American media environment is that it's incredibly polarised and divided, with some stations being very hostile to Trump and another very big one, Fox News famously, being pretty much pro-Trump, actually. How has Fox, how does it deal with the hearing? Well, Fox didn't show either of the two primetime hearings, not least because they clashed with their well-paid flagship anchorman and their primetime programs. I think there's been a view that the daytime hearings had to be covered. In between, however, Fox has either sought to discredit the testimony of witnesses, particularly Hutchinson, or ignored it altogether. They are lying and we are not going to help them do it. We have all three major broadcast networks, fake news, CNN, MSDNC, all happily broadcasting, well, the dullest, the most boring. There's absolutely nothing, nothing new, multi-hour Democratic fundraiser. We're following them. Of course, if something noteworthy happens, obviously, we will bring it to you immediately. Right. Now, that's Fox News. How has Trump himself responded? Well, Trump has been watching because, of course, he has. It's been clear from the outset that he couldn't stay away. One of the things that has made this so powerful, of course, is that Trump himself has always understood the power of television. I mean, television launched his business career with The Apprentice. It was pivotal to his business career. And it was fundamental to his political rise. Trump himself has taken to social media on his Truth Social platform almost night after night after the hearings to rail against the findings, deny the findings, claim he hardly knew the witnesses, again, including Hutchinson, who worked yards from his own office. I mean, after the first hearing, he even took to social media to rebuke his own daughter, Ivanka, after her testimony appeared in the first hearing, claiming that she checked out by election night, although she was still at his side when he spoke outside the White House on January the 6th itself. There is a feeling that his comments have betrayed a growing unease and his powerlessness. As I say, without Republican lackeys on the committee to undermine its findings, this medium that he's always seen as his own and sort of one that he almost commands at will has been turned against him. I have to say, there's something that scares me very slightly here. The suggestion, which is that all the stuff that we've said would be true, but if it hadn't been turned into good TV, it would still have been true, but it wouldn't have had the impact. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, the hearings themselves are not the committee's final work. The final work is intended to be a report that will be submitted to Congress, expected in the autumn. And given the expectations that the hearings have raised, they're going to have to find a way to produce that report, or at least produce the, the release of that report. Otherwise, if you, just end, if you just end up with a report the size of a phone book that sinks without a trace and isn't read beyond anyone in Washington and the DC press, then the committee's ultimate findings could be lost. Right, so they're presumably they're either going to have the old ABC producer back or they're going to find another one who can craft that. You'd assume so. There's been no one on that yet. You, you, can't, you can't have this dramatic build-up and then, you know, have it fall flat as the, your, season, your season finale, like, you know, end of Game of Thrones or something, and just have everyone just walk, shrug their shoulders and walk away. Yeah, no, you've got to have, you've got to have the city aflame. Now, let's talk about the actual consequences. Can you tell us what impact you think the committee has managed to achieve? Well, I mean, 
The committee has gained its own momentum as the hearings have gone along. New witnesses have come forward as the hearings have, have grabbed public attention. Pat Cipollone, for example, the, the White House counsel, was subpoenaed after he was named by Hutchinson in the sixth hearing, and then his testimony appeared in the seventh and eighth. Enough new evidence, as we've said, has now come to light that the committee will continue its hearings in September. The committee members have said this weekend that they're probing links now between Trump and white supremacist groups who led the attack. There are key witnesses missing, principally Pence himself, but it's clear that the hearings have moved the political dial. The Department of Justice has stepped up its investigation of Trump's inner circle in recent weeks. We've seen raids, FBI raids, of some of the architects of the plot to overturn the election, named in the committee hearings. If you're one of these White House aides and you were witness to these events, there's a growing incentive to come forward now before the DOJ or the FBI knock on your door. Now, that's really interesting because as the narrative arc of these hearings has developed, in the beginning, they were going to be, if you remember, something of a damp squib. They would be seen as highly politicised and vengeful or portrayed as that, and they would come to the inevitable consequence and that would be an end of it. So what you're saying is that's not what's happened at all. Actually, what's happened is that they've developed a momentum that more evidence has come forward, more witnesses are likely to come forward, and that actually it's created a situation which is really quite dramatic. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's growing evidence that the hearings have damaged Trump in particular, who is still eyeing another run to retake the White House in 2024. Polls in late June suggested that six in 10 Americans think that Trump should be indicted for his role in the attack. That is likely to rise. Crucially, his support among Republicans appears to be softening. We've seen growing signs that outside his core support, the party is wearying of this circus that now surrounds the former president, and particularly this relentless focus on the 2020 election. We saw polls last week after the final hearing showing that more than half of Republicans want a different candidate to lead the party in 2024. And we're also seeing seeing some of Trump's champions in the right-wing press starting to turn their backs on him. Let's mark this, because that's really astonishing, because it literally is just a few weeks ago that people were saying he's a shoe-in for the 2024 nomination, and not any of that... His people all over the country are the people Republicans are choosing for senatorial, House, gubernatorial elections. And then, a few weeks later, what you seem to be telling us is that these hearings have helped alter that situation. Exactly, because Trump is still running essentially on one issue, on relitigating 2020 and his revenge mission on those who refused to intervene in either in the states or in Congress to help him overturn the, the 2020 election. And for a Republican party that is trying to campaign on the many troubles that uh, Joe Biden is having, particularly with the, with the economy, people are tiring of, of just looking backwards to the 2020 election. So part of it is just this kind of backward focus of his. But as you say, the dial has changed. Now, What a lot of people over here will want to know is whether or not Trump is going to be prosecuted for any of this. Of course. And this is the huge question now. As we enter the summer recess after the eight hearings that we've had, obviously with more evidence to come, it would be an unprecedented step. The committee members themselves have made clear they believe Trump should be indicted, but the panel itself doesn't have the power to prosecute. That lies with the Justice Department and the Attorney General Merrick Garland, who is now coming under huge and mounting pressure to act. Who's putting him under pressure, exactly? Democrats, the committee members, public opinion. As the polls have shifted, there have been growing calls for Garland to move. And the DOJ has been investigating this throughout. 
the big question, of course, is whether this is going to go all the way up to the former president himself. Okay, let's talk about what he could conceivably be charged with were he to be charged. What are the avenues for a prosecution? Well, three main potential charges. Obstruction of an official proceeding uh, relating to the campaign to pressure Pence on January 6th to block or overturn the election result. Conspiracy to defraud the United States over the wider effort to overturn the election and seditious conspiracy over Trump's alleged personal involvement in the violence and the riots itself. Of those three, the obstruction and conspiracy charges certainly look the strongest, even despite the weight of evidence that we've seen, particularly in the final hearing. Legal experts still seem to think that it would be difficult to prove Trump actively conspired in the violence itself, despite the raft of damning evidence there's been, proving that case in court and, and under appeal looks, at the moment looks very difficult. So let's be let's be clear. Obstruction of an official proceeding, i.e. trying to get Pence to say, don't certificate the election, etc. Conspiracy to defraud the US, telling everybody there's been a fraudulent election when there hasn't been, is itself a kind of fraud. Seditious conspiracy, you'd have to prove that he had actually, what, got on the phone to a number of other people and effectively said, why don't you go off to the Capitol now and, and I'll join you a bit later and we can bring the whole thing down. I don't think it would have to be that quite that direct, but certainly personal direct involvement in the violence in in some way. Okay. Now, is there anything in the conclusion of all this that actually stops him, prevents him from running again? Not that, you know, makes it politically difficult for him, but that actually prevents him from running again? Nothing yet. No. I mean, there's no legal barrier to charging a uh, presidential candidate. Certainly, announcing his candidacy would complicate Garland's decision. Indeed, Trump is thought to be eager to announce his candidacy for 2024 precisely to complicate Garland's decision. Garland, of course, will be weighing the public interest in all of this, the cataclysmic impact that a trial of a former president and a likely presidential candidate would have on an already divided nation. There's going to be blowback on the Department of Justice either way. Okay, so if you were Garland, would you want to time your announcement before Trump gets in his announcement that he's going to stand, or would you prefer to leave it till afterwards? Well, as I say, there's going to be blowback either way. Trump and his supporters will cast this as political retribution. I don't think Garland can act until the weight of evidence is overwhelming. They cannot come for him with flimsy evidence. And again, talking about sort of how the dial has moved, I think after the first hearings, the argument you heard from legal scholars was that while the evidence was compelling, it was damning, it may still not be enough to hold up in court. That seems to have changed over the weeks of the hearings as more and more revelations have emerged, particularly since Hutchinson again. We're now hearing the counter-argument that failing to prosecute Trump now would do greater damage to the country than a trial of a former president. And uh, Liz Cheney made that precise point in her closing statement last week that ended the series of hearings. There was no ambiguity, no nuance. Donald Trump made a purposeful choice to violate his oath of office, to ignore the ongoing violence against law enforcement, to threaten our constitutional order. There is no way to excuse that behavior. It was indefensible. And every American must consider this. Can a president who is willing to make the choices Donald Trump made during the violence of January 6th 
ever be trusted with any position of authority in our great nation again. It was an extraordinary point on which to close what has been an astonishing series of hearings. And at the moment, if polls to believe, at least for the moment, a majority of Americans appear to agree. Exactly. More than half of Republicans now do not want Trump to stand again. Things have changed a lot since early June when we sat down for the first hearing. Our committee understands the gravity of this moment, the consequences for our nation. We have much work yet to do, and we will see you all in September. Yesterday, the Washington Post reported that a federal grand jury has been questioning witnesses about Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election results. That suggests that the Justice Department's January the 6th criminal investigation, which has already issued charges to more than 800 participants in the Capitol riot, is finally turning its sights on the former president himself. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, Washington reporter for The Times, Hugh Tomlinson. You can find all of Hugh's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel with production help from Oliver Adamson. The executive producer today was James Shield and sound design was by David Crackles. If you found today's episode valuable or interesting, please do leave us a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help others to find us. Tomorrow, Manveen and war correspondent Anthony Lloyd are back with episode six of Last Man Standing. You can catch up on the previous episodes by searching for Last Man Standing in your podcast app. See you again soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.